welcome to Akatank Unitarian Universalist Church live stream worship service. I'm Nancy Melito, your worship associate for today. Akatank UU Church is a welcoming and inclusive community that seeks to create a more just and compassionate world through our actions to bring about justice and by honoring the web of nature of which we are a part. All are welcome here, no matter whom you love, no matter your identity or heritage, no matter your beliefs or background, no matter your means or gifts, you are welcome here in this religious community. I invite you now to close your other windows or apps and devices, take a deep breath, and center yourself for worship. If you are new to Akatink and would like to talk more about this church, please be sure to reach out to me, our minister, Reverend Pippin, or a member of the board. Contact information is posted on our website at www.akatinkuu.org. On our website, you can check the online order of service on the worship section of our webpage. And while you're on the website, please be sure to check out our events page for upcoming virtual gatherings and other news. Spirit of Life, we enter into this Memorial Day surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Today's Memorial Day is particularly complex. Wars ongoing, wars in good causes and ill-considered ones. This day remembers and acknowledges the loss of our soldiers and military personnel. We hold their names and their faces in our mind's eye. We recall the gifts that they gave to us through the strength of their being, the depth of their love, the courage of their dying, and the fullness of their living. These are true and real sacrifices, I name. And I am also called to name other heroes, many of whom are dying now. Medical personnel, delivery people, those working in stores and postal workers, people working to keep those of us who can shelter in place safe, those who are quite literally putting their bodies on the line to protect and heal others. Knowing the complexity of doing so, I also named these heroes and these dead. The hero who brought groceries to our front step. The hero who delivered the prescription to our car door. The maintenance worker who keeps the hospital clean and its machinery running. So many heroes, so much to grieve. In the holy quiet of this hour, these names surround us and are present with us in blessed memory. May we remain together in silence as a tribute to all. May this light warm our hearts with love and caring and guide us in the ways of truth. Spirit of nature, spirit of wholeness and light and life, 
this is a moment of vulnerability for our world. It is a time where we in this country and all the more so people in more densely packed, poorer countries with little or no medical care are suffering. Here in this country, we approach, approach 100,000 registered as dead, more unfortunately to come, and likely more that have in fact died. We remember, we honor, and we must make our promises to do better, to do better on so many fronts. Amen. And now we have a reading by Lisa Ward. A covenant is not a definition of a relationship. It is the framework for our relating. A covenant leaves room for chance and change. It is humble toward evolution. It claims, I will abide with you in this common endeavor. Be present as best as I can in our becoming. This calls for a level of trust, courage, and sacrifice that needs to be nurtured, renewed, and affirmed on a regular basis. A creed creates a static truth, something that does not incorporate new insights and realities. A covenant is a dance of co-creation, keeping in step with one another in the flow of our lives. A creed seeks uniformity and a unison voice. A covenant seeks harmony and a shared voice. Sometimes we may arrive at unison, but it is not required. A creed gives authority to the statement. A covenant gives authority to shared intention. A creed creates an us and them. A covenant invites relationship. A creed is a prescription that must be relied on. A covenant relies on the treasures of shared truth. The overall trust within this covenant is in the truth, capital T, something which no one person can fully see, yet something which each and every person can come to know. In glimpses, in another story, in epiphanies. Truth is ever-changing in our seeking to understand because of our limited perspectives. We grow into a deeper sense of the meaning of all things when we take our journeys seriously with full heart and mind. The courage within a covenant is in the acceptance and celebration of life with all of its challenges, pain, ironies, and joys. And the sacrifice within a covenant is in the letting go of dogma, of assumptions, of control, and giving over to a greater wisdom which comes to us in bits and pieces. The task of a covenant 
is to take responsibility for the freedom we espouse. We know that we are interconnected and that what we do creates ripples of hope or despair, of affirmation or negation. What we do with and for one another is powerful and beyond our imagining. There are lots of ways to look at the way we are today in the midst of this COVID crisis. Some of you may be hating the whole experience of COVID, but others may find elements, just tiny elements you want to carry forward into the next stage of our lives and our relationships. Right now, the skies are so blue over my town. You can see the Himalayas from parts of the state of Punjab, and that was not possible, except on a very clear day when I lived in India 30 years ago. And many living there have never seen those mountains. Wildlife is turning up in unexpected places. Some things are changing in nature and potentially with social justice and certainly with the economy. Yes, change. That is a good sermon and not the one I'm giving today. Reverend Pippin will give a sermon named A Better Normal Part Two next week. It will doubtless touch on some of those things. This sermon is about a better normal in the ways that we treat each other here, now, in daily relationships, in and out of church, in some ways about the themes that were represented in our time for all ages. A long time ago, I was traveling in the country with my family. I was a little kid, not that far off from the age of the child in the time for all ages. And in my experience, things looked much bigger then. Buildings I now realized are sort of dramatic, had a huge presence in my mind. Little hills, if they were properly placed in a landscape, took on the dimensions of the Rockies. Small bodies of water were so big. And then there was this bridge. This bridge was a footbridge across a giant gorge and a raging river. It started out wide enough for a person to travel, actually for several to travel side by side. As I entered the bridge, I would be able to hold my grandmother's hand on one side and my grandfather's on the other. But I could see that it was oddly built because about halfway down the bridge, it started to narrow. And at that point, as one walked to the other side of that giant ravine, it was only wide enough for one person to walk. I could tell that only one could fit tightly in that last stretch of the journey, alone with no one holding my hand. The sides of the bridge were ropes. The floor of the bridge was planks with spaces between them. Not big enough for a person to fall through, I knew that, but maybe big enough to catch a shoe and lead me to fall over the side. All these worries were real. I didn't wanna walk on that bridge but my grandparents with whom I was traveling had gone hundreds of miles out of their way to get us to this dramatic gorge, to this wonder of a pedestrian bridge and not crossing wasn't an option. I started out and I held their hands so tightly 
we got to the midpoint and I saw that the bridge didn't narrow. It was a standard width the entire way. And I just learned a lesson in the type of perspective my art teacher would later explain. My grandparents would be able to hold my hands for the whole walk. I began to get my confidence up and even wondered about letting go of grandpapa's hand. Then some boys got on the end of the bridge. Some boys. Probably not mass murderers to be. Probably not truly bad boys. But they got on the bridge and they started to jump and lurch it from side to side. They made the whole thing hurdle and buck and sway in a truly terrifying, terrifying way. My confidence was gone. I started to cry. A minute before I'd had a grown sense, growing sense of mastery and competence. And instead at that moment, I literally fell to my knees, begging to be picked up and carried back to the start. Anything to make this bad thing stop. Somehow we got back to the car. My grandparents apologized for thinking that the gorge and the river view and the bridge would be fun. We got back on the road and continued the big trip and in some ways put it all behind us. But I still have bad dreams about that bridge. I still get a hitch in my breathing when I have those fearful dreams and those boys never apologized. It is fair to say that they were out of right relations. To see a little kid scared on a big bridge and selfishly they made the whole dang structure careen like a twig tossed by a gale. Times of transition are times we need one another to show up at our best. And this was a time of transition on that bridge, a potential time of transition of facing a fear head on and doing it. I moved from bravery and the decision to face the challenge and surmount that challenge to backing down and turning to my once again present and loving grandparents to be my rock in the moment, to literally carry me home. That incident didn't happen in holy community or covenantal community. That wasn't a place where people had made a commitment to act well towards one another. No promises of right behavior were made. No, it was a national park somewhere in Wyoming or Colorado on a summer's day in 1963. But what if it had been a covenantal community? What might have happened then? Well, first we must ask, what is a covenant? A covenant is a promise. Some of the earliest covenants on records are in the Hebrew Bible. There, they are generally promises between God and some early Jewish figure, Noah, Abraham, or David, or more broadly between God and the people of Israel as a whole. Later in the Christian Bible, some say that Jesus, in that view and aspect of God, covenanted with humankind around his death and resurrection as a promise to remove, remove human sin. None of those definitions of covenant fit our denomination's focus, but we do see covenant go way back in the Judaic Christian tradition. And more recently, the Puritans and Calvinists also used the word covenant to describe the way that they wanted to treat people of their faith. They did not make any such promises outside of their church community. The Puritans' essential covenant, in the words of Forrest Church, 
were as follows. We pledge to walk together in the ways of truth and affection as best as we know them now, or may learn them in the days to come, that we and our children may be fulfilled and that we may speak to the world in words and actions of peace and goodwill. But those Puritans and Calvinists had a hierarchical church structure. One entity, a pope or a bishop, or Calvin himself could speak for the whole of the denomination. This is not our way. Indeed, the concept of Unitarian Universalist polity ensures that each church speaks for itself in its call of ministers, in its development of spiritual practices, and in its financial behavior. By, 1900, by the year 1900, of the 495 Unitarian churches that responded to a survey, 191 had a covenant that they used regularly to establish how they wanted to behave towards one another. Covenant is in our denominational DNA. One of the early covenants used widely in our congregations now and long ago is by Reverend James Villa Blake. He wrote, love is the spirit of this church and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. And even now, many of our congregations, dare I say most congregations, have one or more covenants. These aren't covenants with God. They are covenants that show how congregation members want to be together. They are covenants that show how the board members will be with one another or how the congregation will treat the minister. Each is somewhat different, but what is common is the promise to do right by one another. Reverend Alice Blair Wesley, one of the luminaries in our movement, has written and spoken on covenant more than anyone I know. She wrote, we need to recognize that, like everything else human, a covenant can be misunderstood and warped. A covenant is not a set of rules. It is loyalty to moving spirit. Loyalty to moving spirit. She reminds us that we are covenantal, not creedal. As Nancy read earlier in the service, when we join a congregation, we don't sign a creed saying we believe this or that. We're all about the freedom and responsible search for truth. I recall a friend who was contemplating joining one of our congregations, who was raised Roman Catholic, asking me, what is a faith without a creed? We have an answer for that. We promise no matter what our beliefs, to live and work together in the spirit of love. That is what we mean when we say, as so many do, that love is the doctrine of this church. Reverend Alice also points out that it is not appropriate ever to yell at those with whom we differ, you are out of covenant. To see how well we are keeping our covenant, look at how we treat one another precisely when we disagree. Some minister friends got together and tried to define the concept of UU covenant in one sentence, and I'll share a few here. A contract is focused on ends, where covenant is focused on a mutual relationship. We are less concerned with the ends than with how we got here. Congregational covenants are declarations of interdependence. Covenant is the state of being we aspire to in one another's presence. 
covenant is how we turn and return to one another through our disappointments in community. <clears throat> so what do we promise one another? Kindness, honesty, care in how we behave, gentleness, compassion, honor, to show up with good intention. There are so many things we promise each other. Victoria Safford reminds us that our aspirational UU covenant is unconditional, meaning that you uphold your end no matter what the others, whether the others uphold their end. Covenants that go along with land, homeowners association, etc., are conditional covenants, contractual in nature. She also says that while our covenants are unconditional, impact is as important as intent. Impact doesn't negate intent. Intent doesn't negate impact. Let's pull that apart a bit. Our aspirational UU covenant is unconditional. That is a good way to start out in any relationship planning to hold up your end, whatever the other person does. I know that my marriage goes more smoothly when I recall that aspect of the promises I've made to my partner. And now on to the impact and intent part. Impact is how what I do lands. So I stretch my leg out and trip you by mistake. My intent was to stretch my leg. My impact was to break yours. Or maybe my intent was to welcome a newcomer, but my attempt was clunky. And so it sounded like this is my church and you are welcome here to my church which serves people like me and not necessarily people like you. My intent was to welcome. My impact was to lead someone to wonder if they really fit in. It matters not only what we intend to do, but how what we do lands on others. Sometimes we translate our aspirational covenant as assume good intent, but that too can exclude someone when a person has no real basis on which to assume good intent. In our conflict avoidance culture, assuming good intent can be a recipe for life without accountability. Here too is the thing about covenants. We often fall short in those promises. As the German religious philosopher Martin Buber reminds us, humans are a promise making, promise keeping, promise breaking, promise renewing people. So covenant is the cornerstone of our shared faith, and yet we know we will fail. What do we do then? Perhaps we need from our covenants both a statement on how to be together, but also a statement of how we will come back together when we mess up. Well, we begin again in love. We recognize that harm was caused. We study for ourselves how, what, when, and most of all, why of where we slipped and taking care to minimize the harm as we apologize and move forward, we commit to doing better. And we can't do that without acknowledging that sometimes we hurt people and we can do better when we observe our behavior and commit to do better. One of my favorite phrases is, when you dance close, you will step on your partner's toes. I wanna dance close with my congregants and I bet that you all want to dance close with one another and the staff here. But is it, but it is possible that some inadvertent toe-stepping will also happen in the process. 
What could have happened back in 1963? One of those boys getting on the bridge might have thought about his beloved younger sister. He might have called his pals back to the edge of the crevasse and let us cross in our own way, saving the wildness for when they were the only ones on the bridge. If that didn't happen, they might have noticed me drop to my knees crying. Instead of thinking to themselves, oh, this is no big deal. Why is she crying? She doesn't deserve to get so upset. We are just having fun. What is wrong with that baby? They could have noticed that I was in deep distress. Actually, as it turned out, wounded in a way it would take a long time to get over. They could have stopped then. However silly my childish fear looked to them, they could have stopped jumping up and down before the swaying and the bucking got too strong. And if all that failed, if we had been in a covenantal community, they could have noticed as they raced past my family with me and my grandfather's arms that they had done wrong. Whatever their intent, which I know was just to have a fun time, that their impact was not what they would have wanted and they could have come to us to apologize. I wonder what difference it would have made for me to have those boys, or even just the red-headed one, come up to our car timidly and with a smile, acknowledge that he had hurt me and us by spoiling our crossing of the gorge. But we won't know, you can't know. Someday, maybe days, someone in, Maybe, maybe someone in this congregation will fall short of their covenantal commitment. Dancing close, maybe you will step on a toe or have your toes stepped on. Maybe learn to say ouch, actually ouch out loud when you are hurt. Learn to hear an ouch when someone else says it or you sense you've created pain. Maybe someone will gossip or one of you might assume bad intention of another congregant. Maybe you will really dislike that is something that a staff member or a board member or the minister does, and you will go around them and talk to friends instead of directly to them. You get my drift. It is easy to fall out of covenant and possible to get right back in covenant, to step back in through right relations, accepting feedback and naming harm. Bravery? Yes, some bravery. The other day I was with my whole family on a standing family Zoom call. Your family probably has one on the calendar too, ours is Tuesday nights. I'll let her email to the whole family the next day, tell the story. Subject line, sometimes it happens. Text, I was wrong. Listening to my Survivor podcast in the early morning hours, I realized that my husband was correct that this season of Survivor includes the edge of extinction twist, which he finds impossible to say, and I obnoxiously and smugly insisted it was Exile Island instead, which is another twist from another season of Survivor. Part of being a know-it-all is you gotta admit it when you get it wrong. I was wrong, beloved husband, I was, was right. I apologized, signed daughter-in-law. Carry on and happy Wednesday. Yes, sometimes in big things and small, you gotta make it right. Thanks, dear 
daughter-in-law. Love you. And so I say to you, you can keep your eye open for the harm you and doubtless, doubtless unintentionally do here and elsewhere. You can look for the way to focus on impact over intention and reflect on your promises to one another. Recover from a slip in covenant, a time your toe has stepped on or you step on someone else's toe. You can name your error or pain. You can live and behave as the covenant in one of the UU congregations near my home reads. Love is the spirit of this congregation and service is its calling. This is our great covenant to help each other to thrive, acceptance, to seek the truth in love, integrity, and to dwell together in peace conflict resolution. Yes, bottomless acceptance, profound integrity, and conflict resolution when needed. Yes to all that. Amen. As our service draws to a close, we extinguish the flame of our chalice as we say these words. Though we extinguish our chalice flame, we carry within us what we kindled the light of inspiration, warmth of compassion, the fire of commitment. May we bring these gifts into our lives and share them radiantly out in the world. In our community blessing, with the words of David Bumba, I also invite you to stretch out your hands, spiritually connecting with all of us in this worship service today for we are one. This church is dedicated to the proposition that behind all our differences and beneath all our diversity, there is a unity that makes us one and binds us forever together in spite of time, death, and the space between the stars. We pause now in silent witness to that unity. Covenant, bottomless acceptance, profound integrity and conflict resolution when needed. Yes to all of that.